Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentric. So David, what's in the news today that we're going to talk about? John, the news today is about CareCentrics. Uh, everybody, I think, has seen the announcement about Walgreens purchasing a majority stake. And I have a couple questions that go beyond the headlines. I want to know, why is Walgreens in investing in CareCentrics, how that fits with their overall announcement? And what's going to be the impact on your customers, your employees, your suppliers? Let us know. Thanks for, for for the shameless opportunity to talk about uh, you know the CareCentrics good news, but we've got a long term relationship with Walgreens stores and leadership in talking to them about how many different ways we could actually um, leverage their nine thousand store network to help our patients and plans uh, not just get a better deal in terms of prescriptions, but better coordinate. Uh, drugs as a form of uh, uh, healing and making sure people are on the right prescriptions at the right time. And, you know, as a, as a practical matter, post-acute, which is what we take care of at CareCentrics, our mission is to help people heal and age at home and consistently moving more care to where people want to get it, which is at home and in the community, is completely consistent with what Walgreens wants to do. But basically, the Walgreens investment is an endorsement in CareCentrics and our success at shifting more care to the home and avoiding too many visits to the hospital and nursing home. And it's also a, you know, a, a down payment in um, expanding what local pharmacies might be able to do as they expand and more get more connected to the rest of the healthcare system. You know, there's so much dysfunction in all of the care transitions, picking up a script, going to the doctor's office, making sure the care that's supposed to happen uh, does happen when you're post-discharge, like my 88-year-old mother comes out of the hospital, who's doing the care traffic control of making sure she's getting the right care at the right time, is on the right drugs. All of that currently CareCentrics coordinates, Walgreens really believes in, and the opportunity to leverage the best of both to improve uh, uh, patient outcomes and, frankly, experience like my mother's is incredibly important. So, John, it sounds really you know excellent and makes sense at a strategic level. But I guess I'm thinking about if I'm a customer of CareCentrics, if I'm an employee, I'm a supplier, how should I be feeling about it? Well, I think you should feel great if you're a, an employee or a patient because we've now got a lot more um, we've got a big capital partner so we can continue to expand our reach. Um, and if you're a health plan or a doctor, stay tuned because we're going to come up with some really cool new products and services that are going to make your jobs easier and the impact of moving more care to the home and the community more accessible. Well, good. Well, the good news, John, is I have you here every week so I can press you on these matters uh, if we see them coming to fruition uh, or not. So let's talk about digital first primary care, something else that's uh, that's in the news. You hear this digital first, sounds like America first, but I think this is meant to be a little bit more uplifting and unifying. Um, so you know, what is this concept and are you a believer? Oh, David, you're such a skeptic. I mean, of course I'm a believer. Like what could, what, what could go wrong with actually solving for more convenience for a healthcare system that no one seems to be available. People are rarely available unless you get it, get access to through the emergency room to actually provide the care you want when you when it's convenient for you, not the healthcare system. Um, how can you be against leveraging digital tools? I mean, again, you're you're you, you sound like such a skeptic. This is a 
great early stage leveraging and expansion of uh, what telemedicine started. And I think we're just kind of scratching the surface of all of the different ways in which digital can be integrated into the rest of healthcare to make it more convenient and and uh, and 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 faster to get people diagnosed and help. So, John, you know, the idea here with digital first primary care is that the patients are going to see their doctor online first for anything except uh, for an emergency. And you're starting to see well-known health plans like Harvard Pilgrim and Priority Health actually offering this as a, like a replacement product for their uh, typical primary care network. Of course, there has a lot of uh, value into it. I'm a proponent of digital health. But, John, I'm more like a uh, you know, digital second primary care, because I think that you should have an established. I, 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 what's all this? Ske- but you, but you, but what? you're standing behind a flawed system here, David, a system that, you know, it, 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 it takes forever to get an appointment. You aren't even getting an appointment with the right person. Um, this you're, you're suggesting, uh, you, you start with a, the, the horse and buggy before you move to the car. I mean, come on, David. There, there's a, there's a all we're talking about here that that the vast you know twenty to thirty percent of all of the patients we touch don't even have a doctor, even though they are in managed care and allegedly have a primary care doctor. Another reasonably high percentage don't really have a close relationship with their doctor. So digital first doesn't mean digital exclusive. It doesn't mean that uh, it's a digital barrier. It's digital first, which means you get faster access to a doctor that can connect to you on your schedule. Well, John, there's actually a a study that was published in the Journal of Medical Internet Research, okay? And they showed that the primary care workloads could increase by... (laughs) Did you write it? No, it's peer-reviewed. It could be increased by 25 to 31% of the workloads of having having a digital-first approach. And you know why? It's because what happens is it's digital-first and then it it comes in person after that because you go and you say, oh, yeah, I'll do this online visit. Okay, thank you very much. I'll bill for that. And now come in and see me. You're a skeptic of anything new. I mean, I I, I think that you know you're, you're that you you've 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 hunted around to find some contrary piece of knowledge. There's a lot of aspects in healthcare where areas in healthcare where access to new services has driven demand, and that dynamic does sometimes exist. But I'm we live in a system where the healthcare system in general is. Is, is torturously inconvenient. And you've got frail elderly people, the handicapped, people with full-time jobs and sick kids. Um, and what you're suggesting is somehow they shouldn't have access to a digital first alternative if they so choose. No one's talking about replacing the system. I mean, if the, if the, you're sort of suggesting uh, implied in your, in your cockamamie research study is that somehow providing access to services in other parts of healthcare doesn't increase demand as well. Of course it does, but a well-curated digital first uh, primary care, really care system backed up by by solid in-person doctors in a reasonable plan is certainly something we ought to try and you shouldn't be afraid of it because it's new. 
Well, John, I think maybe you misheard what it was. And the, the way you're, you're such a proponent of it makes me think you heard me say Driscoll first. You know, I said digital first. Now, listen, I'm going to give you a few of the positives. All right. I tick off a few things. OK, so you have a more timely intervention. Oh, so I, I, I brushed you back. You did. I brushed you, you back. You made me. A, I switched 180 to being a believer. OK, so you have more timely interventions. I don't want to be, I'll tell you one thing, I don't want to be in that doctor's waiting room getting an infection while I'm there. Another thing that we've seen from way back is that, you know, if you have somebody they have to like leave, take leave from their job, go down, and the doctor tells them, oh, it's nothing, don't worry about it. You know, sometimes they feel compelled to prescribe a drug or or to order a test, which causes unnecessary expense and potentially harm. So there are some positives to it, John. I'm just a digital second guy not digital first. I want a relationship with my doctor. I don't want to deal with some outsourced uh, primary care mill, hamster mill uh, that's out in the middle of nowhere. You know, I, I think that the the um, um, the the thing that you're not you're missing, David, is that there's an enormous hunger for more access to care with people who often find it very hard to access the system as is. Secondly. Healthcare inflation is going to crush us, and we have to try all kinds of new digital models to lower the cost while improving access. If we can actually pull those folks for whom the system is inconvenient in for more visits they should be going to and give people alternatives that um, that allow them to, to connect to a healthcare system which where they're just bouncing around without a without a doctor I I think we're going to be much more responsive to the market and have the possibility of actually reducing total cost of care I I, I think we I, I'm excited about what Oscar's doing what priorities doing what Harvard Community Health plans trying to force you to do with your plan uh, but it's a um, it, it's it's based in this notion of disconnection and lack of convenience that you you honestly David you can't solve without it well, John, I know you're a big Anglophile, so you'll be pleased to know that the uh, National Health Service from uh, dear old England uh, and, 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 and the, rest of, the, Queen. <laughs> the rest of the United Kingdom, uh, you know, they actually published a, a, a strategy in 2019, and they said that every patient should have the right to digital first primary care by the fiscal year 2024. Now, if the NHS is doing it, it tells me one thing when they talk about someone having a right. It means that they got to cut down the cost. It's all about costs. Make, make do and mend in primary care as well, John. So that I don't know if you take that as you're on your they side or they not. Didn't, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't give you a right to a new hip. I no, noticed that. No. No, I, 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 I think you're just trying to muddy the water. The reality is innovation is your friend, David. Access is the friend of the patient. And convenience is critical to improve healthcare. All right, so let's take it a little further. That's digital first primary care. What about digital first specialty care? I think digital assisted specialty care makes sense. I don't think you need to, you know, um, I think I think if you're going to see the doctor about your, you know, your 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 pin, the pinched nerve in your arm, you've got to actually have a physical exam plus tests. But the follow up meetings could easily, many of them could be done pretty comfortably virtually. Um, once you've actually had that initial physical assessment. I think with the way you think about specialty is it's, you know, how do we leverage telemedicine and virtual visits? Again, make it easier to connect with patients and more convenient for those patients who have a hard time getting to see the doctor. Digital second, John. Integrated. It depends on the on, on, on the application. I mean, are you suggesting that, you know, for your, for your we, we know that um, digital algorithms uh, plus a derm can 
almost almost better than a than just just walking into a doctor's office identify melanoma you know skin cancer um, you know physical uh, a, a, a physical test isn't always necessary you can manage digital tools and take a picture and probably you're more likely to, to get access to the information faster and in some cases it's going to be more accurate you can deny access to better information about your potential skin cancer. That's where I think digital first would make sense. There's other areas where you know, that, that, that connection would matter, but it entirely depends on the specific use case. John, I think we're in agreement that you want to have a combination of in-person and digital. And where we uh, agree a little bit less is about whether it's really digital first, especially on the primary care side. But I want to ask you about what, how this... What are you, you're afraid of it. Don't be afraid. I'm afraid, just, John. It's, just, it's changed, I'm af- David. Get warm it up. I'm afraid of going to the... Get the, comfortable. ...the dentist. And I want a, a digital first dental uh, visit, but that maybe will be our next time. I want to understand how this actually fits with what we started off talking about in the in David the- David that's another another example of you just throwing shade on something you know the Indian Health Service found that they could not get dentists in the in northern Alaska um, for uh, I mean it's just a brutally difficult place to live uh, and uh, but they, but a lot of the tribal the whales don't need the dentists John tribal groups a lot of the tribal groups needed access to dental care so a combination of teaching some of the folks in the community some basic skills, plus uh, a telemedicine with a dentist at a distance, actually allowed certain tribes to improve the level of care. And you know what the American Dental Association did? They sued the tribes to deny them access to training and virtual tools. You stand on the side of dentists who don't want to provide virtual care to Indians and, and Native Americans and Eskimos who need it. I mean, how do you even look at yourself in the mirror? <laughs> well, John, what I'll say is, you know, where you're talking about this time of year, those time zones, you have to turn a pretty bright light on to see the mirror. If you have to go all the way to Alaska to come up with a counter argument for something that's going on in New England, I, I, I feel for you, John. You're just, you just, you just made something up about about the dentist. I mean, like actually, it it turns out that a combination of virtual care plus locally trained folks who weren't conventionally trained in areas of high need. Uh, provided a fair amount of conventional, regular dental care. And I, I mean, it's a perfect example of where you I- imagine a use case that's a problem. And it actually is one that, that that was successfully applied in an area of high need and low access. Well, John, I, I can always count on you for the conventional wisdom. So thank you for that. Now, getting back to where we started about, uh, you know, people being at home where they want to be. How does a digital first approach tie in with the idea of what you do at CareCentrics in terms of the patient being able to heal and age at home, is there? Does it reinforce it? Is it contradictory? I, I think it's 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 complementary. I, I I don't. I mean, the as I said, the the it entirely depends on the the person, the situation, and, and what they need. We want more of our vulnerable patients connected to care, and if virtual first works for them, better than conventional. That's what we, we we are going to be supportive of. For us, it's all about the patient. But I think more broadly, the my perspective is in a system that costs too much and does too little, uh, we absolutely have to take advantage of low-cost digital tools. And if we don't test and try, we'll never know what the opportunity is. And I think that we would naturally integrate virtual primary care, virtual uh, uh, telemedicine-assisted specialty care into the care we deliver in the community. But it's a, it's a natural um, augment and supplement to what our nurses and 
um, uh, PTs and OTs and and uh, and personal care assistants are doing in the home to have a doctor's oversight and support. Well, John, I say we'll do first things first and uh, last things last and say that's it for another episode of Care Talk. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Thanks for listening and please subscribe on your favorite service.